there. Welcome back to the Simplifying Super Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Masters. Thank you for joining me for what is episode 12 in this series, where we attempt to break down the often complex world of superannuation and retirement planning. We've had some fantastic conversations already with experts in this field. So if you're just joining us, please do go back and have a listen to our earlier episodes as well. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform to ensure you're among the first to hear our new episodes when they drop each fortnight. I've mentioned already that in each episode, I'm joined by someone with a lot of knowledge in the superannuation field, and today's no different, I can assure you. Now, given COVID restrictions, we've got the phone line fired up and ready to go. And on the other end of the line today is Jess Arambulo. She's from AMP's Workplace Superannuation Team. Jess, thanks for joining us here on Simplifying Super. Thanks for having me, Adam. Now, before we dive into things, here's an important reminder. This podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is intended as a guide only. All right, Jess, just so that our listeners have a bit of context about why we're speaking today, you're a workplace education manager within your team. What is your role involved? How are you wrapped up in this world of superannuation? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Adam. So in my role, I get to talk to people every day about their superannuation. And these conversations vary depending on what stage they're at in their working life, how near or far they are from retiring, and their current level of superannuation knowledge. But essentially, my role is to educate people about their super and make sure they understand how it all works, what benefits and incentives are available to them, and become more engaged so that they can reach their goal of a comfortable lifestyle in retirement. It sounds like you're right at the forefront of helping people get a read on how their super is shaping up, and that sounds pretty rewarding to me. Now, throughout this series, we've had some important questions come up, and I suspect in your role, that's no different. You've kindly shared the top five questions you face from members, so let's rip into them. Number one on your list is a query that many members put to you. How does money get invested inside super, and how do I know if my investment is aggressive or conservative? What do you say when this one comes up? Yeah, so superannuation can be invested in a number of different areas or assets and things like uh, property, Australian and international shares, uh, cash and fixed interest as well. And thinking about whether your fund is aggressive or conservative, the more money you have in shares and property, the more aggressive it is. The less money you have in shares and property, the more conservative it is. And when I think about how investments inside super work, kind of reference it back to the share market. So even though we know that superannuation can be invested in a number of different areas, your superannuation has a daily unit price. And if I think about that in relation to a share price in the share market, so let's say you're investing in a direct share and you you hold a number of shares, but the value of those shares will fluctuate depending on that daily share price. With superannuation, Because you have a number of assets, you package up that daily share price or value into a unit price and you hold a number of units inside your super and your balance will fluctuate daily based on the number of units you hold and what your daily unit price is. So when you log into your superannuation account, you might see that your balance is different today to what it was yesterday or it could be different again tomorrow. And that's because, as I said, we've packaged up that unit price to determine the value of your super. So today that unit price could be a dollar. And if you put $100 in, you buy 100 units. 
tomorrow, that unit price could increase to a dollar and one cent, which increases the value of your super, or it could go down to 99 cents, which might slightly decrease the value of the super. And the important thing to know here as well is that a bit like shares, the number of units you hold will remain the same regardless of whether that unit price goes up and down. So even if the market were to completely crash and that unit price went from a dollar down to 50 cents, because you're still holding those units, eventually when that unit price comes back up, because you still hold those, your value will eventually climb back as well. The only time you're at risk of really losing money within the superannuation fund is if you make a change to your investments when the market is down. So that's something to take into consideration as well. Now, of course, a working life is no short amount of time. Does the approach to risk change over the years? Because I, mean, I, I imagine that people, as they get a little bit older, are perhaps more risk adverse. Yeah. So I guess there's two parts to, to this one, Adam. And if you haven't made your own investment choice, then you'll likely be invested in your fund's default investment option. And they'll generally take a life cycle or a balanced approach to your risk. But for most superannuation funds, they offer a range of different investment options that you can choose from. And if you're young, you may have more time to ride out the market highs and lows and be willing to take more risk in the hopes of achieving a high return. Whereas if you're closer to retirement, you may prefer to be more conservative in order to protect your capital as a share market crash could be a little harder to recover from than if you're 20 years away from retirement. Let's move on to the next question, and it relates to a topic that we've actually covered before on Simplifying Super. It's not a glamorous topic, nor is it an easy one to discuss, but it's very important to think about. Of course, I'm talking about death and what happens to our assets after we die. I understand you face questions about how superannuation is handled after someone dies, because not a lot of people realize that a will doesn't cover this by default. Why should we be nominating a beneficiary in super? Yeah, so that, that, that is a very good question because many people actually have no nomination on their account, which usually means that the trustee of the superannuation fund decides who receives those funds and they may not distribute it the way that you would have liked. There are two other types of nominations that, that you can have in super. Uh, one is non-binding, which means the trustee will consider your preference, but they still have the final say over who receives the super payment. and then a binding nomination that satisfies all legal requirements must be paid to your beneficiaries in the proportions that you've sat, that you've specified. Um, a binding nomination can either be lapsing or non-lapsing. Jess, are there any restrictions around who can be listed as a beneficiary? Your beneficiary nomination within super, to, to be a valid nomination, the person you list needs to be a dependent. And a dependent under superannuation law is is defined as a spouse, including de facto, uh, your children of any age, someone who you support financially, someone who you have an independent relationship with, or your legal representative or estate. So you can nominate your, your estate and it will be governed by your will if that's your preference. Um, but circling back to, to the question, it doesn't automatically be determined by your will. You'd actually need to nominate your will if that's how you wanted it to be done. That's really good to know. And I'd say there's probably quite a few Australians out there who may not even realise that the details of a will don't automatically cover off superannuation. It's it's a pretty important point there. Hey, Jess, just moving quickly on to question number three in your top five member queries. 
What fees are charged within superannuation and why can't I see them all in my transactions? Yes, definitely. So it is one of the most common questions and it's important to know that all super plans charge fees and the types of fees charged are generally standard across the superannuation industry. Admin and member fees are usually charged to cover the general administration and operational costs involved in the day-to-day running of the fund and other things like funding their call centres or issuing annual statements. Uh, There's also investment fees which cover the cost of the expertise in managing your investments. This fee varies based on which investment option you've chosen and its level of risk and whether it's being actively managed. A fund could also charge a performance-based fee, which is payable to certain investment managers when they've exceeded specific performance targets. And there's also some other indirect costs that could be payable on certain transactional costs, investment-related costs, and other costs of investing in and trading in certain assets. Commonly, you'll find that super funds will have a flat weekly or monthly membership fee, which you'll see being deducted from your account in your transactions. But most, if not all of the other fees are typically charged as a percentage of your total or invested balance and deducted daily from that unit price. So when you log into your account and and check your balance, most of those fees have already been reflected in that daily unit price, which is why you can't see them in your transactions. Jess, what about if you're in an employer corporate plan? That's a slightly different setup where fee visibility isn't quite the same, is it? Yeah, good question, Adam. And it is important to know that if you are in your employer-sponsored superannuation plan, then it's very possible that your employer has negotiated on fees on your behalf and those fees won't be publicly available if that's the case. So if you're not too sure and you are in your employer-sponsored plan, log in, have a look at your latest statement or give your fund a call and find out. And this is probably a good chance to remind our listeners that, look, if you aren't sure about your fees, get in touch with your fund, speak with your financial planner, shop around. I mean, the best decisions really are made when you're well informed. You know, in the interest of time, Jess, I think we might jump onto the next common question you face from members. And it's a topic that we touched on briefly in conversation with John Perry early in this series. What are the benefits of salary sacrifice and how will this help my retirement savings? Yeah. So, Putting extra contributions into superannuation, that's that is one topic that we we speak about quite frequently. And especially, you know, tax incentives in putting money into super and knowing what the benefits are for different people. And salary sacrifice is a type of concessional or pre-tax contribution. And it's where you choose to have some of your before-tax income paid into your super by your employer on top of what they might already pay for you under their obligated superannuation guarantee. And Some of the benefits of salary sacrifice include more money in your super account working for your retirement, salary sacrifice being taken from your pre-tax income. So every dollar that you sacrifice reduces your taxable income by a dollar as well, which generally means you're likely to pay less income tax on that amount. And once that payment reaches your super fund, it's taxed at 15% instead of your marginal tax rate. Your money then gets invested for you and it's in a tax-effective environment, and earnings continually get reinvested until you retire so that you have the benefit of compounding interest. Now, there are some considerations and things to think about before deciding to start salary sacrificing, and they're things like a potential reduction in your take-home pay. Um, The money does get locked away, so you won't be able to access those extra contributions until you meet a condition of release, which is usually retirement. And 
the value of your super investment will fluctuate depending on your investment choice and the market conditions as well. There are some other things to consider as well, Adam, and I know I can talk all day about contributions, <laughs> um, but an important one is caps. It's important to know and understand what caps or limits apply to super contributions. And if you exceed these caps, you might have to pay extra tax. Now just doubling back to those contribution caps for a moment, could you just explain that in a little more detail for us? What sort of limitations are we looking at here? Sure. So in the 2021-2022 financial year, you could make up to $27,500 in concessional or pre-tax contributions. And this cap is made up of your employer's super guarantee, which has just gone up to 10% on the 1st of July, 2021. And it's also made up of your salary sacrifice amounts. So if, for example, your employer's super guarantee was $7,500 for the financial year, then an individual could potentially put an additional $20,000 in via salary sacrifice. For those Australians who may be considering the additional top-ups to their super savings, should the contributions be regular or say a one-off each year? When putting money into superannuation, especially via salary sacrifice, it's an agreement between you and your employer where you would normally select an amount and a frequency on which those contributions are paid. Having those contributions going regularly means that you've got the benefit of putting money in when that unit price is lower as well as higher. So it's called dollar cost averaging. Um, so sometimes that unit price might be lower, which means you buy more units. Sometimes it might also be higher, which means that you're buying less units. Um, whereas when you're putting in one lump sum, you're putting all of your money in at that exact same unit price. So potentially in the long run, you may end up with less units than putting money in over a period of time instead. That's a really good way of thinking about things. I, I actually hadn't factored in that dollar cost averaging that you mentioned. All right, Jess, moving on to the final query in your top five questions posed by members. What else should I be looking at or considering when making the most of my superannuation? Yeah, so when chatting with members, it, it is a common question that comes up because you don't know what you don't know. So going through a, a checklist of things to to look out for, in your superannuation can be handy. And I normally run through things like, where's my money being invested? Making sure I'm comfortable with that investment option. It's the right place for me. Um, next, making sure you've got an up-to-date beneficiary nomination because it is so important to know that your money's going to who you want it to in the event that something happens. Uh, looking at your insurances. A lot of people don't know that they have insurance inside their super and you could have insurances like life insurance, permanent disability insurance or temporary disablement insurance, which is also known as income protection. So it's important to do a, a bit of a check in on your super and make sure you're aware of those benefits and what you're paying for those as well. Um, but also considering um, putting additional contributions in. We, we've spoken about salary sacrifice, um, but knowing what those thresholds are of the maximum amount that you can put into super, but also knowing that there's no minimum of how much money you can put extra into superannuation to help top up that balance. And just on the insurance that's provided inside super, everyone's needs are different. So am I right in thinking that perhaps sometimes the default level might be too low or even too high? When you set up an account with superannuation through your employer, it's likely that your employer is negotiated with an insurance provider on how much insurance their employees will get as a default. And it's kind of like a benefit of joining their employer's super plan. And 
you're right, most of the time that insurance level is either going to be too much or not enough. So it is important to sit down and and have a look at what you're paying for and, and make sure you do have that right level of insurance. And Jess, at the time of recording, we're all facing the challenges of COVID. You know, face-to-face meetings are increasingly difficult and impossible in some cases. Technology really is a friend in this circumstance, isn't it? I mean, jumping online, familiarizing yourself with your account, downloading your funds app where appropriate. These are great measures to keep stock of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't already, create an online account or download your super funds app so that you can keep an eye on your account, access statements, track your performance and update your personal details if you need to. Because by the time we retire, superannuation is likely to be our largest asset outside the family home. And knowing your superannuation balance is a crucial part of planning for retirement. We don't, we don't expect you to log in and have a look at your account every day. Um, you probably drive yourself insane looking at the change day in, day out. Um, but, you know, just checking in it, on it from from time to time, you know, every three to six months, just making sure you know how everything's going uh, and making sure you're having a look at those annual statements as they come through as well. Really, really sound advice there, Jess. And I've got to be honest with you, I'm quite impressed by the quality of the questions that you're facing from super members. You can you can really tell that people are taking a nice hard look at their circumstances because we all want to make sure that we're setting ourselves up for the best possible retirement. Jess, thanks again for joining us here on Simplifying Super. It's been great to hear about your first-hand conversations. Listeners, we really appreciate you stopping by as well, and please do come on back. We'll have plenty more important topics to discuss in future episodes of Simplifying Super, so remember to subscribe or follow on your favourite streaming platform. That way you'll be kept up to date on all of our important discussions. And before we leave you today, just a final reminder, you should always consider seeking expert and tailored financial advice that's relevant to your personal circumstances before making any important financial decisions.